Part two, it's simply called the teacher has come. He's calling for you. God will come to us and speak to us, but we must be open to hear his voice. And the lessons we're going to cover today, there were four, but I'm only going to cut down to three. And on these lessons, there are things that we must understand. There's things that we need and there's things we must do. When we find ourselves in a tight place, we find ourselves in a struggle, we find ourselves being tempted, we find ourselves in a trial, find ourselves being discouraged, find ourselves being disappointed, or just like John, I'm going to read about in a moment, he found himself in prison. He's in an enclosed place. There's nothing he can do about the condition that he's in. When you find yourself in that place, these are four things. I'm only going to cover three that you must get and learn by the teacher. Number one, Jesus would make Jesus made decisions based on what would glorify God. Number one, number two, we need a, we need a word straight from God. And I'm going to skip down to number four. We all need the right kind of people in our lives when we are struggling with God. So let's get to the main text, Matthew chapter 11. I'm not going to have any time to recap what I preached last week. You see, I'm kind of lost in it. Listen to last week's sermon. The Bible says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, Matthew 11, verse 2, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all the things the Messiah was doing. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we look for somebody else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised back to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who did not turn away because of me. Then in John chapter 11, verse 4, the Bible says, When Jesus heard this, he said, The sickness does not end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. I know there's only a few short verses. And some of you might think, man, a few verses, very short sermon. Good luck. But so it's a continuation Again, we need to understand about God what we need and what we need to do. Number one, which is actually number two because it's continuing. Jesus made decisions based on what would glorify God. I know I alluded to this. I briefly spoke about it. But I think it's something that needs to be talked about for a moment. Because this is something we, don't, we forget about when you and I, especially we easily forget about this when you and I are facing moments of any kind of struggle, a trial, a Whatever it is, when you're struggling, you're not always thinking about what's bringing glory to God. You're thinking about just getting out of your struggle. So Jesus makes decisions based on what would glorify God. He said to Mary and Martha, their, their brothers die. We know the story. He's going to die, and he does die. Jesus already knows how it's going to end. Jesus is God. He knows the future from the beginning. He knows, he knows it all. He knows how it's going. He knows he's going to resurrect Lazarus, but he makes a statement to them, to Mary and Martha. He says, this sickness, so this situation that you're in, is not going to end in death, but for the glory of God. Then it says, so the Son of God would be glorified by it. And so here's the lesson, whether it's Martha, whether it's Mary or John the Baptist. And I want to drive home this thought for a moment. God's glory, Jesus says, this is for the glory of God, that the Son of God would be glorified by it. What does that really mean? You know, my son asked the same questions in his sermons questions he'll ask what does that mean you know people talk about the glory of god it's all about the glory if you stop and ask them well, what does that really mean the glory of god brother it sounds religious sounds cool oh brother it's about the glory okay well, can you tell me what that actually means it's hard to identify well i'm going to tell you what it means i'm glad you asked 
Because I'm going to tell you what God's glory means. It means, the word literally means honor, glory, to make known. It means manifestation of God's power. But it has the idea to evoke a good opinion of. Peter says, be careful how you live among young believers. So if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they will give glory to God. Hmm. St. Francis said this, preach the gospel and if you must use words. A guy by the name of Dick Staub, he wrote a book called Too Christian, Too Pagan. And in his story, he relates the powerful testimony of the famed missionary David Livingston. Listen to this. H.M. Stanley, at this time when he wrote this, he was not even a Christian. He was following this guy, and here's what he writes. He discovered David Livingston in Central Africa, and he spent time with him. He said, if I had been with him any longer, I would have been compelled. I would have had to become a Christian, and yet he never spoke about Jesus. And I know we preach. I, I get that, but here's my point. This man is unsaved. He, went to, he heard about David Livingston, went to go spend a little time with David Livingston. And all he could say is, and when I walked away, if I spent a little bit more time with this man, I would surrender my life to Christ. He saw a dimension in David Livingston's life. He saw sacrifice. He saw someone that was pouring his life out for other people. He saw a dimension of God's grace on his life that was so tangible. He, all he could say is, you know what, I would just become a Christian. There was something supernatural. There was something working in David's life that was undeniable. When people spend time with you and me, how many walk away going, man, if I'd have spent five more minutes with, with him and I, I'm, I'm done, I'm saved, I'm getting saved. Let me keep preaching, okay? <laughs> I don't know. Peter says, conduct yourself in honorable service. Peter, 1 Peter 3 says that a wife's behavior can actually win her husband without a word. There's something there. there there's something about living a life that, that, that's a Christian life. There's a presence of God in the life, and it's tangible. People can see it. They know there's something different about this man or this woman. But it, it don't end in themselves it goes back to, like this man said, any more time with this man, I would become a Christian. It wasn't about David living. It was about meeting Jesus, bringing honor to God. We can love the world without falling for it. Matthew, you know me talking about on Thursday night, see your good deeds and they will recognize and honor and glorify God who is in heaven. So I said all this. <clears throat> so when you and I are making decisions... And you and I are unsure what we should do. The question we need to ask ourselves is how, with the decisions I'm about to make, how much glory will this bring to God? Now, stay with me for a moment. We can't always control all the things that happen to us in decisions. Not always. But we all can aim to make God look good. What's going to bring us, so I put it like this, what's going to bring God the most, what's, what's going to bring the most good for God and for other people? The decision I'm about to make, how will it affect my family? How will it affect others? Will it encourage others will, or hurt others? Will it help or will it hurt? Will it build up or will it tear down? 
And I'm not talking about what's going to bring us glory because most people make decisions what's best for them. They're not thinking about the name of God. They're not thinking about other people. They're thinking about themselves. It's not about my glory. Jesus says, this whole thing you're going through, I know you're hurt, Mary. You're going to weep and you're going to cry. But it's not about you, guys. It's about my glory. It's about me. So what will keep you hopefully on the straight and narrow, you get ready to make some crazy decision, you get, you're tempted, you're struggling, you're like John the Baptist, you're in a prison, you're in a tight place, you're, whatever is going on, you, if I do this, how is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect the family of God? How is this going to affect my God? How is this going to affect my testimony? And those questions, if you answer them, they should hopefully keep you in check. You know what, that's going to hurt so many people. A lot of people don't ever give this question. They don't, they don't take time to ask us. They leave families. They leave people behind. And there's devastation behind because someone didn't stop to think deeply about anything. W. Second wrote, said it like this. The cruelty of the Spaniards to the Indians made them refuse Christian baptism. They said... Your God must be a wicked God for it, to have such wicked servants. Interesting. Whittaker said, like Dr. Whittaker said this, either this is not the gospel or we're not the gospel. So we all would do very well to remember in making our decisions, how will this affect how will my lifestyle affect the name of God? How will this make God look? What will be the consequences of my choices and whatever I do? You think about David before he sinned. I won't go into it much. But David sins. The Bible talks about it. Second Samuel chapter 12. When Nathan comes to David and David says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And the Lord has taken away your sins. Nathan said, you're not going to die, David. However, since you've done this deed, you've shown disrespect for the Lord the child you're about to have shall certainly die. David makes a decision, and Nathan says, you know what, David? God's going to forgive you, but you so disdain the name of God. Different versions say you've given the enemies a chance to make basically totally disrespect God. Decision. So here's a suggestion, one quick one. Make his plans your plans. See, I'm gonna make it, I gotta make a choice, Pat. What do I do? I don't know what to do. Well, but don't do what most people do. They make their plans, they make God to fit into their plans. You need to reverse the order. Make his plans your plans. Big difference. The Bible says in Proverbs, not the best translation, Proverbs 16:3 says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So what do people do? Well, I've given this to God, and God promises success. Well, here's a better translation of it. Commit your works to the Lord literally means submit and trust them to him. And your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. Isn't that a whole lot different? Pastor, can you say it again? I'm glad you asked for that back there. It says, commit your works to the Lord, submit and trust them to him, not to you, trust them to him, 
if you respond to his will and his guidance, another uh, translation says, open your works before the Lord and basically lay them out and give God the opportunity to speak into your life. Psalms 37 verse 4 says, different versions says, delight yourself in the Lord. I've heard this quoted so many times by people. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, there's Christians that quote that and leave their husband or wife. Yeah, some, there's some Christians that are crazy. You're just crazy folks sometimes. You've met Christians that are crazy. We all have. You know, you just you hand them some black electrical tape. Say, hey, man, tight, tight, tighten the wires. That's all. Here's some tape for you. That's all. You can't even talk to them. They're so they're just making no, they're not, they make no sense whatsoever. They have no wisdom at all. They have nothing. And so that uh, delight thyself the Lord, here's what it means. The word delight means to be soft before God. Soft it literally means make soft, it means pliable before the hand of God. So you, 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 you delight yourself. In other words, you put yourself in a position, God, I'm open to your, your instruction. I'm open to your will. Uh, my heart is open. I'm pliable. I'm not hard-hearted. I'm not set in my ways. I'm open. And a heart like that will find success. It will find some joy in God. That's what it says. A lot of people wrestle with this, what I'm talking about. And so we have to say, literally, Lord, you know, let your will be done with my situation. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I submit my will. I submit my plans to you. I give you the right to speak into my life. Because trust me, church, God gets no glory when we sin or fall. And I'll throw this in. God gets no glory when you sin or you fall or you rebel against God. God gets no glory when you and I are unfaithful to him. What is that? That doesn't get anyone anything. It doesn't help anyone when you're unfaithful. It's one thing to struggle. But struggle, at least struggle in church. It's one thing to go through a hard time. Okay, I get it, man. We've all been there. But at least struggle in church. Let's struggle together. And I don't understand sometimes folks, they get discouraged or in a prison and, and they struggle. But in their struggle, they become unfaithful to God. How is that going to help you get through your struggle? How's, gonna, God, how's God, God going to honor? God doesn't honor your unfaithfulness. What's wrong with you? God just blessing me. Why? Because you know, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. He blesses what? Faithfulness. And so we leave the details to God and, and we trust him. It's not easy to do. Matthew chapter 11. John the Baptist, the Bible says he was in prison. The word prison there is a place of bondage. I said before, it's a tight place. It's a struggle. It's a temptation. It's a prison. In other words, he is in a place that he can do nothing about. I don't know how many times, I'm not going to wish this on anyone. I think Snell did a Bible study on being, being in a place of being stuck. He's in a place of being stuck, not because he did anything wrong, because he did everything right. And every one of us 
throughout our Christian life, we're going to have times and moments and seasons. That's exactly how we're going to feel. We're going to feel kind of stuck. Find ourselves in a position or a place that we, we didn't do anything wrong. We were unrighteous. We're trying to do what is right and trying to do what is pleasing. And yet we find ourselves in this place. And you, when you find yourself in this place like John the Baptist, you know, what are you going to do about it? What can you do? Well, in our scripture, there's nothing he can do about it. So how do you respond when you're in this place? When you're in this tight place, this prison, call it what you want. Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're watching me, that's you. What, you know, what do you do? Well, this is so interesting here. John, the Bible says, John tells his disciples, go find out about Jesus. And then the Bible says, Jesus told them, go back and tell John what you've heard and seen. The blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the deaf and the dead are raised back to life. I want you to notice what happens here. And I want you to see the answer. Do you realize the answer he gave back to John the Baptist was everyone he remarks about are people or in situations they can do nothing about. A blind man cannot heal himself. A lame man can't get up and walk. Deaf man can't make himself hear. And surely someone who's dead can't be raised back to life. John, what he's telling John, John. You're in a place you can do nothing about where all these other people are in the same place that you were, but yet I touched them. I moved in an impossible situation, and he can do that for you. Now, we know he didn't historically. He left John. John was executed later on. But the point being is God can give you something to get you through. I don't care what it is and what you're going through. There was God, when God gave him this back, when God speaks this back to John, there's something there that we don't always read because how many know I can say something to you, I can say the same thing to three people, and three people would see it or hear it differently based on what? Their heart and their faith. So he gives this word back to John, obviously to encourage John. So whether it's Martha, whether it's Mary, whether it's John, they're in this place. And this is hard because... <clears throat> We all would ask, well, then if God's God, then why would God allow me to be in this place? If God can do whatever he wants, why don't he just do what I ask? That's a good question, right? And the problem with us, we have faith. What do you mean by that? Because we know God can heal. We know God can help. We know God can work wonders because we know God can. We struggle with God. Isn't that odd? Because you have faith, you struggle with faith. Because you have faith, you struggle with God. You know it in one moment. I, can know, I know myself. In one, one second, he could heal my body. I could be perfectly fine. Then why don't he do it? Good question, Gary. And so because we know he can and he don't, that's what drives us crazy. Maybe not you. But like I talked about last week, John is in this restricted place. And he's having doubts about the goodness of God. And, and I say this to all of us. If it can happen to John the Baptist, it can happen to us. No matter how long you've been in church, you say, well, I've never doubted. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how big your Bible is. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you call yourself. I don't, you, whatever you want. He's John the Baptist. You, you, you don't get any bigger than that. Every one of us can wind up in a place where we question the very God we say we believe in. 
Boy, Pastor, that's not right. I, I'm not saying it's right, but it happens. We, we live in a spiritual world, and the enemy is real, and he works against us. Spiritual powers are real. Of course, we ask the question, well, when's this going to be over? Is God going to make a way? Is God going to take care of me? And we question the very goodness of God. So here he is. <clears throat> when John asked the question, I said it last week, God doesn't answer it, but this way. You know, when you're really struggling, I, I can only speak for myself. And I think I can speak with some, some of us, you know, when you're really struggling, you don't need to see any answer. You know, I know and I know people mean well, but people, when you're really struggling and it's hard, sometimes people give you just, like I've said it before, sometimes with some, some simple Christian cliches. And the truth is, there's times I don't need to see any answer. I need an answer straight from God. That's what John got. I, you know, bro, I appreciate that. I've heard, and I know people mean it well, not here in our church. It's the best church in Reno Valley. You folks are great. But I've been, I go to places and preach a few times and talk to the people, talk to other pastors. They mean well. But sometimes I just, man, Lord, drive me crazy. Can I, can I be real with you? Why do they drive you crazy? Because of what they say to me. I had one pastor. I said it. I had one pastor preaching from this pulpit. He's a friend of mine. He says, "Gary, you'd be really fine if you just had some faith. You just had faith, brother. This thing, whole thing, gonna be over." I just, I, I have faith that I don't slap you. <laughs> I got faith that restrains me right now. I got faith the power of God's working in me because what I, what you just said to me is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I can't say that to him. I go, oh, "Praise the Lord, brother." And I'm just kidding. I don't feel like slapping them, but I, 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 I don't. I, can't, I don't feel like that. But I do feel like people say things. Sometimes we're really struggling, man. I don't need, to, I don't need just any answer. I need what, point number two is quickly is I need what he got, and that is I need a word straight from God. And that's exactly what he does. He, 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 he talks to the disciples. The disciples go right back and they tell him, I got a word from, from Jesus Christ. And this is what God says. What I love about the disciples is that when they go back to Jesus, they tell him exactly what Jesus said. You know what? We do really well if we just hear from God and say what God says and not add stuff to it. We're all been guilty because we want to put our two cents in. How many of you put your two cents in and your two cents was not two cents? <laughs> two cents is like, what would you say that for? It was good until you said that. How many of you have ever done that? You went too far. You, you started out well and said, you should have stopped when you were ahead, but you open your mouth now. You're in trouble. The disciples didn't go back. Go talk to Jesus. The disciples did not go back to Jesus and come back and go, John, Jesus said we need to counsel with you. John, yeah, I know you're struggling, bro. Listen, I just got some insight. I was, I was doing a Bible study on, on, on insight during trials. And let me talk to you. And just going to give them all these heavy truths. Disciples didn't do that. They didn't come back with the hopeless. They came back and just told me, so refreshing. They came back with a word from God. The exact word Jesus gave them, they took to John. God help us to speak into people's lives a word from God. And not to add all our stuff to it. 
John, Jesus wanted me to tell you that. Why are you discouraged? You're supposed to John the Baptist. Huh? What's going on? That's not what happens. Because we, we need a word straight from God. We need a word from God for our, for our soul. But it, in order to hear a word from God, how many know you have to be able to hear his voice? And sometimes when you're in a hard place and your heart is not right, I don't care what God's saying, you can't hear it because your heart's not right. That's why two people can come in the church, give me the same family, and one can walk out hearing, getting a little bit encouraged. They're struggling. They're both going through great battles, but one will walk out, you know, I feel like God spoke to me this morning. Another one said, I didn't feel anything because they were hard before they came in, and they stayed hard. If our hearts are indifferent or cold, you're going to struggle more. When Jesus woke up, he rebukes the wind. We know the story. He's in the storm. Gets rebukes the wind and the waves. And he said, be still. And suddenly there was a great calm. You know what? I, I, I think there are moments in our life we desperately need a great calm. But it comes from the voice of God. If we can hear it. And one of the reasons, quickly before I go to my last point, is we struggle because we mistakenly believe that we're not supposed to struggle for a Christian. I'm a Christian. This is what's going to happen to me. Pastor, I'm a Bible study leader. I shouldn't be going through this. I'm a pastor. I shouldn't be going through this. I'm in ministry. I shouldn't be going through this. Who says all that? I've been a Christian for 10 years. How can God allow this to happen? It just happened, right? That reality. Wake up. This is how it is. This is how life is. Mistakenly believe that being a Christian is going to, it's going to, it's going to, some way, it's going to magically cause you and I to avoid all the trials and the pain and the difficulties and discouragements and the prisons of life. It doesn't work that way. So I'm going to skip point three and go to my last point. You got, you got, I got five more minutes. Okay, I got 30. Thank you. You said it. Number four, which is number three, it's my last point because I'm skipping number three. We all need the right kind of people in our lives when we're struggling with God. What does John do in his hour? Well, first, we got me say this. John, he's greatly discouraged and he finds some dope in prison. I just thought of this. Some of you say you shouldn't have thought of that, Pastor. No, he's there in prison. How many of you can get anything you want in prison? He's in prison, and he finds some dope, finds some crack, and he's back on crack. You turn to something when you're struggling. You turn somewhere when you're weak. You, you will turn somewhere when you're struggling. And the Bible says he turned to his disciples. Now, stay with me. This is really good preaching right here. Number one, it won't be up there, but we all need in our lives people that you and I can be real with. Not saying that we are unreal, but we need people that we can trust. We need people in our lives that we can lay down the mask and say, hey, bro, I'm really struggling. I'm not talking about everyone because we need wisdom in our weakness. I'm talking about we need people in our lives that we can lay down our mask and say, hey, man. I trust you. I know you're a faithful brother. You love God. You've been in the church for many years. I'm struggling with my walk with God that you can talk to. 
John is struggling with his walk with God. He is struggling with God. And outside of Jesus, he is the most famous man at that moment. John the Baptist, everyone knows him in our modern terms. He was the most famous guy around. He had 16 million views on TikTok. Everyone's talking about John. Everyone's talking about John the Baptist or Jesus. John the Baptist or Jesus. That was, he was on everybody. But yet you find John the Baptist. Saying, I know people think highly of me. I know I'm on everyone's lips. But man, can I get real with you and tell you I'm struggling with God? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm really going through it right now, bro. I don't, I don't know if he's really God or not. I don't know. I know what I said before that. And I talked about that last week. But... I'm struggling. He's struggling with his relationship with God. So who does John go to? Well, who does a, well, I'll put it, no, I shouldn't, I'll say it. Who does a pastor go when the pastor's in trouble, struggling with God? Well, I'll tell you who I go to. I go to other pastors and friends. But here's my point, is you have to have someone in your life, Jesus had it, I'm going to skip it, but you have to have someone in your life that you're comfortable enough taking off your title, whatever your title is, your mask, and then, or a sister, or if it's a sister, a sister to a sister, bro. So he said, Pastor, I'm really struggling, I was talking to sister so-and-so, you know what I mean, you're talking to some sister when you're struggling, you be talking to another brother. If you don't go talk to a sister, talk to someone who's like 110 years old. Go ahead and talk to her. That's it. And get some wisdom from her, I'm sure. Mama and my wife have got a long time. She could probably help you out. But someone that you, you're struggling with, it just, boom, because everyone's going to need someone that they can just share with what's happening in their life and where they're at. They just, you know what? I, I, I got to talk, man. So you need that. But we need to be wise in our weakness, right? You don't just say that to anyone. John the Baptist just didn't say this to anyone. He said it to two disciples. So you have to find people you can trust and that you pour your heart out. You can pour your heart into, out of, whatever's going on. You can talk about it. And this is why a lot of people struggle right here. Listen to me carefully. Because you don't have anyone around you. You hang around with yourself. And you're kind of weird. <laughs> I'm just being straight up. So what's, what does weird mean, Pastor? It means bizarre. It means unusual appearance. It means strange, odd behavior. When you're always talking to yourself, that's weird. If you're always hanging around just with yourself, most of the time, that's pretty weird. If the only person you talk to all the time is yourself. That's weird. You don't need to go see a psychiatrist to tell you that or a psychologist. I'll tell you right now, that is weird. So what are you, what are you saying? What should I do? Because you don't have anyone in your life that you poured your life out to. In our story, these are disciples. These are men that John the Baptist has poured his life into, that he's made himself available. And that's why some people, their life is so small because they don't want to pay the price to develop relationships and sacrifice and help and give, pour themselves into other people. They don't want that, but they want the benefit of that without doing it. 
I want everyone to bless God. Everyone better be there to help me. You haven't poured your life out into anyone in 10 years. And you're hour and you're struggling. Reason why you can't turn to a friend, a close friend. Look at you. You go home. You're alone. You come back to church. You're here for a few and go back. You're always alone. No one else around you. Why? You've chosen to live like that. You're not taking time and pouring your heart out into other people's lives. So the hour comes and you struggle. You don't, there's no one to turn to. But you want the benefits. You want to reap the benefits of close disciples or people in your life. I want to reap the benefits, but I don't want to give to them. All of us, all of us, I don't care who you are, how long you've been saved, or how long you've been saved, every one of us ought to have a few people in your life that are unsaved that you're pouring your life into. You ought to have Christians and brothers that you're trying to help. You're consciously trying to help, and you're pouring yourself out to any way you possibly can. John is struggling, and in his struggle, he has the right friends he can turn to. One last, well, I'm not going to be honest, two last sub-points. I don't want God to strike me dead if I lie. <laughs> One point, it's two. Bam! And he died while he preached Sunday morning. He lied. This brings me to a sub-point before my last point, quickly. This is why some people really struggle. Because what I just said, they don't take time to pour themselves out into other people. Their lives revolves around themselves. You and your lives evolve just around you, just you and maybe one other person. It's a pretty small world. Small little world. Your world's about this big. There's no room for anyone else but you guys. That's it. No one else can fit in there. Small little world. Now, some of you, it's like... Actually, that's too big. Some of you, it's like... <laughs> It's so tiny, nothing, nothing or no, no one can fit in there. You couldn't be inconvenienced. Jesus couldn't inconvenience you. Jesus comes back, and the trumpet shall sound. You go, you know what, right now, Lord, it's not a good time. Okay, I'm doing a video, please. I'm doing whatever. You got, you're so wrapped up in yourself, your little world. And this is why people struggle, because of what I just said, but here's the other part of it. And this is what makes things worse, is you got the wrong people around you in your life. You might. I don't know who does or how many here still do, but you might. I might just be preaching maybe to you. I don't know. <laughs> Food for thought. You got to be very careful who's in your inner circle. I know all homeless people aren't bad. A lot of them have mental problems. That's been proven. But a lot of times, homeless people, you guess who they hang around? Homeless people. Homeless people always hear on homeless people, and they all think they're normal. Right? They're not, a lot of them are very nice, very giving, nice people. But we all, we all can agree there's something not at work. There's something not right there. A lot of it's mental illness. But besides that, we know that. What keeps them homeless are other homeless people. In other words, they got the wrong kind of people in their little circle that keeps them in that little circle. Some people, this is what's wrong. You got friends, you might have some friends in your life right now. I don't know who I'm talking to. You might have some friends in your life right now, and they're the wrong type of folk you got on speed dial. So when life's hurting, you got the wrong people you can reach out to. 
Proverbs says, Proverbs 6 says, God says, there's some things that I hate. He said, mind that divides wicked plans, feet that are quick to do wrong, dishonest witness, spitting out lie, a person who spreads conflicts among relatives. Proverbs 1.8 says, here's some teaching that's going to prove your character. Verse 10, my child, when sinners tempt you, don't give in. We'll find all kind of riches to tell you. We'll fill our houses with all the loot. Come join us, they will say. Share with us. We'll still we'll have all you ever need. Verse 15, my child, don't go, don't go along with people like that. Stay away from them. They can't wait to do something bad. People like that are setting a trap for themselves, a trap that they will soon die in. When you got the wrong kind of friends, you, you can do the wrong things. There are people, there might be some people in your life that when you struggle and you were at the weakest moment of your life, or you're in your prison, they could care less about your Christian testimony. They can care less about the name of God. They care less about any. No, when you struggle, if you've got the wrong kind of people in your life, you can call them right now. There's people in here right now, I'm sure. You could call tonight at 2 o'clock in the morning and say, you know what, hey, bro, you can call a friend, the wrong kind of friend. You call them at 2 o'clock and say, hey, bro, you know what, this is so-and-so. Hey, how you doing? Say, well, you know, I'm a Christian and all, but, you know, I'm struggling right now, man, I... I know I go to church, man, but I'm struggling right now. Can you come pick me up? They would be there in a heartbeat. Two o'clock in the morning, pick you up. That's the wrong kind of friend. You got the wrong kind of friend with the wrong kind of skill set. <laughs> That's not the kind of friends you need in your life. That you can call it a hot, hey, bro, I'm out of here. Can you, oh, I'm there. Mark me down. I'll help you out. Whatever it is. That's the wrong kind of people. You don't need people like that in your life. When you're struggling, that's not the circle of friends you need to reach. When you're struggling, you, that's not who you need to be calling. That's not even who you need to even be around. When you find yourself in that place, you find yourself being tempted, you're, you're saying, I'm getting a little weak. Then get yourself out of there. Hallelujah. Yeah, you got some friends. They literally, I got your back, bro. Yeah, I, we both be back in prison. I know people call each other, I had a friend of mine, that's how people talk, a friend of mine I called a while back, he says, what's up, dog? I'm thinking to myself, who talks like that? I said, what's up, shepherd? You know, I didn't say that. But who talks like a what's up, dog? But some of you, um, you might have some friends, what's up, you, your friend might be called dog, I don't know. Hey, what's up, dog, what's going on? Yeah, just checking in, chatting, what's up, man? let's burn the streets tonight, let's hit it hard, whatever that means. I don't know the jargon, but I'm glad I don't know it all. You want to hit it hard? What does that mean? Hit a punching bag hard? What does that even mean? What do you mean hit it hard? I'm down. What does that mean? Oh, you like grappling or what? I don't know. I don't get it. But the wrong people do the wrong things in your weakest moment. That's not who you need to have. You can reach out to. You're really str- no, 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 no. You, you know, yeah. that your buddy will pop over in a heartbeat in a, with, his, with his black hoodie on. Just do what we've got to do. Have you ever had friends, have you ever had people burn you and you thought about, I'm going to get even? And you got friends that say, hey, you want to get even? I heard what happened. I'll help you. That ever happened to you? Don't act so holy, church. Come on. You guys from the streets. Come on. Don't act like, somebody, I can't relate. I don't know what he's talking about. What is he talking about, bad friends? What does he even mean by all of that? I don't have a friend with a hoodie. What's a hoodie? A black hoodie? Crowbar? Crowbar? What's a crowbar? I had a friend. Can I tell you a quick story? Okay, I'm going to tell you a quick story. 
kind of quick. Now, okay. I think I think the time. I can't be charged now. The years have passed. And so. <laughs> some of you go, oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's been years back. I'm talking 10, maybe 12 years ago, maybe longer. I had a friend of mine that helped me. <clears throat> this is what happened. And I'm, I'm preaching. I have experience just 12 years ago, okay? Some guys burned me on, you know, you know I do these, used to do this dog stuff. So these guys burned me. And I, I won't get into who they were or nothing, but they, they, really, they burned me. Big brothers. They, they took my dogs, bred my dogs, had all these puppies. And he said, I'm on my papers. And I said, your papers? And I said, you ain't getting no papers. I said, in fact, I want my puppies. You, you ripped me off. He said, what are you going to do about it? What you going to do, boy? He said, I'll come up there with my friends, and we'll take care of you. And I said, are you threatening me? I said, they have, I, said I don't know where you think we live. We live in America, sir. He said, you know who you're dealing with, boy. You know who you're dealing with. I'm from the streets. Preacher boy. And I said, I'm from the streets too, Bubba. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't say Bubba, but I didn't cuss. I was saved. I was saved. I was pastoring the church, okay? I was saved. I just said, hey, I said, no, there's laws against this kind of stuff. You can't just steal people's uh, property like that. You can't do this. It's a law. He said, are you going to try to sue me? Are you telling me right now you're going to try to sue me, boy? I just show up your place, me and my boys, take care of business. Something stupid. I ain't telling my wife that part of it. I said, oh, really? Now I was un more unsaved 12 years ago. Okay? I'm about being honest. So I called in my friends. <laughs> I said, hey, I got these guys that got Bubba and Jubba. Uh, I don't know their names. I don't even remember their names. I just called them Bubba and Jubba. Bubba and brainless, brainless and dumb and dumber. So I said, I got some guys who stole my dog. They stole my dogs, man. They just, they got puppies. They're trying to sell them. They, everything, they violated everything. They violated the hall agreements. He said, let's roll, man. Let's roll. So I said, well, well let's roll. <laughs> so he picked me up. We hop in his van and we're rolling. And, and we go into this neighborhood. And it's like 12 o'clock at night. Uh, somebody said, oh, I can't believe Pastor would do that. Well, yeah, you're going to hear it, but it's all good. I know you see me in my tie and think I'm normal. There's a side of me you don't want to know about. By the grace of God, I ain't crazy. Er. <laughs> but so I, he picks me up in his van. We'll go up there. And I'm thinking one thing. Here's the problem. You're thinking one thing, but he's thinking something different. So we're driving up there to the van. And he says, right, we get up there. I said, well, I just want to go knock on the door. I, I don't want to be civil. I said, knock on the door so you can have my puppies. And the guy said, they're going to give you your dog. What's wrong with you, Carrie? You don't work like that. He said, I got my 45. I'll put up their head. With, bam, go in there and take the puppies. He said, we'll take, the, and we'll take his dogs too. <laughs> and I said, and he, and crazy. He had a black hoodie and, and a 45. I didn't even know about that hoodie and the 45. He showed up in the hoodie. I didn't know he had a 45, but he's crazy. This guy, I didn't know he's that crazy. I said, what? I go, what? He goes, yeah. He says, pull up. We found his house. And so I went to the door. I just knocked on the door. Excuse me. Sir? 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 I know it's a lot odd, 12 o'clock at night. Sir? Anybody home? Mm-hmm. And so his son comes to the door. His son's like 6'4", big guy. It's, but when he opened the door, he's afraid of us. 
I thought, how comical. This guy's huge. He looks, I thought I saw Bigfoot. And he comes to the door. And he, op- he looks down. And he sees me. He wouldn't even open the door. He's too afraid. So I said, he don't even come to the door. So my friend goes, you know, just roll the van around, slide it. I jumped the fence, grab his dogs, do what we got to do, threaten him, whatever, and get him, and we're gone. No one even know we were here. I said, we well, just knocked on the door. <laughs> Ain't no one looking at we're here. And he says, what are you going to do, man? I'm down. Just tell me. Just give me the word. Give me the word, Kerry. And I said, well, first of all, this guy's not safe. Can you tell? <laughs> He's just a dog friend. So I said, hold on. I said, no, we're not going to do none of that. He goes, what do you mean? I said, no, we're not doing that. I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. I said, say we did this and we get arrested tonight. Tomorrow morning, Marino Valley pastor arrested for trying to jack dogs or hack dogs or get dogs or held up a family. I said, this would be terrible for the testimony of God. I said, and plus I'll get in trouble with my wife. My family would shoot me. <laughs> you stupid, you did what? I can imagine all of my kids and my wife. I'd be in trouble. So I said, no, we ain't doing none of that, bro. I said, oh, we came all this way. It's midnight, man. We're good. I said, no, we ain't doing none of this. I mean, that's foolish. That's stupid. I said, we're to call the police and tell the police that some man has my dogs. And we're going to go get our dogs. Call the police. Police is a personal property. In California, it's considered personal property. It's against the law for you to grab them, even though legally you're, they're yours. You can't do that. I said, okay, sir. I want to put a report in. That's all. He drove home. My friend said, why we? I said, I never went out with him again. <laughs> I never called him for nothing. But here's my point was, I was saved, and I just said, the moment, I didn't caught up in the moment. I said, no, I'm a, I don't, you know what I said? No, and I said, and I told my friend, well, you can't, I said, no, let me tell you something. I said, I'm a Christian. I met Jesus Christ. My life's been changed. I said, so what? He gets my dogs. So what? Who cares? Just dogs. I'm not going to risk my life in a testimony to try to pick up a dog. Stupid. Would you agree with me? If I would have, I wouldn't be here preaching. And the last point I make is this. And that's what's so beautiful about the story. John the Baptist is in prison. You'll find yourself in prison one day. Where you haven't done anything wrong and everything right, and you're locked in a place, tight place. And you're struggling. You can start the music, Maui. And you're struggling. He looks to John, his disciples, he says, You guys, aren't you go find out about Jesus, if this is really him or not, or we look for somebody else. And the disciples he had, the people he had into his life, the closest. Oh, I love this. Are the people knew or knew how to find Jesus. They knew where Jesus lived. And John says, man, I'm struggling. You guys need to find Jesus. They could have said, John, hey, tell you, man, I've been reading my Bible lately. We have no idea where he's at. <laughs> I lost contact with him weeks ago. Months ago, years ago, I, I have no idea where he's at. You never know when someone's going to turn to you and say, get a hold of Jesus for me. Disciples knew where Jesus was at, knew how to find him. They were in touch with the Spirit of God.
And what did they do? What he said to them is what he, they brought to Jesus. Nothing added either way. And the disciples heard John talk about their struggle, and they posted it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. John the Baptist struggling with God. No, that's what people do. They take, your, they, they take, they take that side of you sometimes and they throw it out there. People that do that, remember who they are. Don't go back to confide in them. Find people you can trust. They hear it, and this is what we all need. We need people that hear us at our lowest moment, and they know they can take us, our, who we are, and take us straight to the throne of God on our behalf. I know I could add this to that sermon. I just preached you got a friend, part three, but I didn't. But that's the friends we need. I, I, I get people in my life when I don't feel like... Have you ever been so wore out or so discouraged you don't pray? Or you pray, you, you just mumble. You, your, heart, your heart's so broken. When in moments like that, you need someone that, could, that you can, could talk to. And you just leave it with him. And then you know, man, that brother and that family, that brother I just called, he's going straight to the throne of God on my behalf. I need people like that in my life. And so do you. Bow your heads. Every head bowed, every back closed, please. So there it is. The lessons we need to learn. Jesus made decisions based on what would glorify God. We need to do the same thing. We make choices and decisions in our life. What's going to bring the most glory to God? And how is this going to help God or his people? Two, we all need a word straight from God. And number three, we all need the right kind of people in our lives when we're struggling with God. When you're here this morning, you're, first of all, you're a Christian, so you know what? There's some things God's talking to me about. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to re-preach the message. So I see all these hands. I see all these hands. Yes, 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 yes. I see all these hands. This, there's people here this morning, you just need to get out of your world. And just include someone in what, what you already do. Just include people into your life and what you already do. Nothing extra, nothing more. Just include others in your life. Some of you don't have close friends, but that's by, by choice. You're, you don't call nobody. You don't call, you're not pouring your heart out to anybody. There's others here this morning. You need some wisdom in your weakness. When you find yourself being weak, you don't need the wrong people around you at that moment that will endorse, that will encourage you to sin and do what is displeasing to God and care less about your testimony or your wife or your kids. You need to have someone in your life that, that can turn to God in your behalf. You need the right kind of friends.